it is. Good times for you and me. And not a moment too soon either. You're keeping good company with W-A-T-H. I'm having a little brain uh, lapse here, but um, Scott, maybe you can help me. Well, I, I, it just improved a little bit. Guy Phillips, folks. Guy Phillips, remember him from the Athens um, News and all of that? His wife. Her email address was living for the weekend. Boy, does that ring true more and more as I get older. Living for the weekend. <laughs> and, uh, Sounds I, good. I perforated my, no, what do you call it? Aerated. Aerated my yard yesterday. Uh, my neighbor Grace, her son-in-law, um, loans me his that pull from behind thing that punches holes in the mm-hmm. ground. The aerator. Yeah, the aerator. And uh, I ran it to last night. I'll run it again, particularly in some areas that uh, need some help uh, again today. But uh, golly, living for the weekends. You know, there's something about that too when you hear the word Fridays tomorrow. Mm. I don't know what it is, but there's something a little so uplifting about pick, that. Picks you up just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Today they say <clears throat> it's going to be uh, 67 degrees, our top. We're at 47 right now. Tomorrow and Sunday, it's going to climb up higher to 74 each day. 76 on Monday. 81 on Tuesday. And then we drop down into the high 60s and mid-70s for a few days. But uh, bottom line is none of that 40-degree stuff or anything like that. Um, Let's see, what about rain stuff? They say Sunday we may have some rain. Tuesday, some thunderstorms. Wednesday, light rain. Well, anyway. It is what it is. We can't do a darn thing about it. Yeah, I said earlier this morning, it seems like we are getting the April flowers being watered by the May showers. But it's usually the other way around. April flowers, April showers, bring May flowers. I'm completely confused on that expression. (laughs) You never heard that? April showers bring May flowers? April showers bring May flowers. I see what you mean. Right. So now with the... Backwards. Yeah, flowers in April, we're getting them watered by May showers. You know, and as you drive about town in the evenings when uh, past places that sell plants and flowers and this and that, uh, you know, many of them have been covering them just to protect them from the um, the still kind of chilly nights, you know? So um, that's a good idea, of course. Wish I could do more of that at home. 
But things are growing for sure. And um, I've been uh, walking around the yard and giving a little dab of spray here and a dab there on some of those green things you don't want growing in your yard. But just uh, being very cautious about it. Well, today's April 29th, folks, the year 2022. Let's see, in the way of, um, you know, today is this, today is that. Today is National Historic Marker Day. National Zipper Day. <laughs> I was, I was at... Um, restaurant the other day and um, went to wash my hands and stuff and um, came out and you didn't several tables later just some some girl said your zippers unzipped you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I did. said thank you did your face turn three shades of red I don't know I couldn't see it Oh, well, wasn't anybody with you? Well, I was, no, I don't take people to the restroom with me. I mean, when the waitress told you that. No, it wasn't a waitress. It was just a girl the sitting server. at the table. Ah, goodness a, gracious. A, a, a customer. Goodness and gracious. And I said, thank you, thank you, and zipped it up promptly. Well, whenever somebody just says something like that to me, I said, I say, yes, I know. Doesn't everybody do this? And they kind of kind of get that look like what? <laughs> yeah, I would too. Yeah. Um, I uh, I have that reminded me. I was laughing a little bit. It reminded me of a class I had at OU and uh, a zipper about cl- a class class about zippers. No, it wasn't about zippers, but you'll hear why in a moment. Okay. <laughs> well, it was a psychology class, and uh, we were all sitting there, you know, in the class you expect to be proceeding as usual get into the subject matter and the instructor was wearing a blazer with a button-down shirt underneath of course and his pants were unzipped Mm. as he was standing in front of the class lecturing and so he didn't realize it nobody said anything because I think maybe people were apprehensive to say something like that back in the day but uh anyway he went to adjust his pants to pull up his pants Mm -hmm. you know around the waistline obviously Mm -hmm. and his thumb went right through where the zipper hole is and he went oh my goodness (laughs) okay it was an hour-long class and this was about 45 minutes into the class (laughs) and he proceeded to say has that been unzipped this whole time and everybody said yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, it has been. And he turned three shades of red. So that just reminded me of that with it being National Zipper Day. Why I have no idea because you know, we've all had plenty of zipper encounters each mm-hmm. day from getting dressed, I'm sure. All right. Well, it, zippers. Yeah. I I was going to say that or ask him if he was showing off, but I thought maybe I better not. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
don't know what how to respond. Well, you, you don't. So we'll we'll continue on. It's you know, National the- Arbor Day. <laughs> okay, now I shut you down. What? That's what, all right. What, what I, were you wasn't the say? zipper invented in Akron, Ohio? I I think I've heard. That. I think it was. Thus, the nickname of the University of Akron the sports zips. teams. The zips. Yeah, the zippies. Who incidentally uh, gave John Gross a nice contract extension yesterday, the day before Akron's basketball coach, mm-hmm. until I think the year 2030. Wow. He got him to the NCAA tournament this year, and they're going to keep him for a few years. Good so, for, yeah, good congratulations, for Coach Gross and his staff. Great guy. Uh, Dustin Ford, one of his assistants, was an assistant with John here. Another great guy, so I'm happy for all of them. Um, we were at a local restaurant last night. Um, oh, Grand Ranchero. We went to Grand Ranchero, and um, uh, we had a guest with us, and the student attendance at Grand Ranchero is significant. Um, anyway, um, I swear there were two different athletic teams one before me as I was checking out, and one after me as we were checking out, and I turned around, and a couple of the OU ba- basketball players were in line, and and uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, I'm always amazed how many college students go to that Mexican restaurant. Yeah, I've noticed that too. The times that I've been there. Yeah. Well, anyway, I've even seen a coach or two there as well. Yes, of course. Yeah. National Arbor Day. Okay, I I've read that for years. Trees. Is that what it is? Yeah. Arbor. Yeah. So what? What's the? What are they? What are they getting at? Well, probably planting trees of the sorts, something like that. Trees afford us many pleasures. In the spring, their buds let us know that warmer weather is on the way. And uh, in the winter, tree branches offer shelter to wildlife. Well, I'll have to tell you, for years I've read that. Like, everybody knows what it means, and yet I didn't. So, uh, shame on me. Yeah. National well, Arbor Day. Yeah, it, uh, they provide protection for the Earth's topsoil from erosion. They provide oxygen, homes for wildlife. They're also a renewable source, providing a variety of materials for building, fuel, office supplies. And when we plant trees in our yard, we improve our enjoyment of our outdoor living spaces and overall quality of life. National Arbor Day celebrates all these things and aims for American generations to enjoy all the benefits trees have to offer. Oh, you found that one quick. How about that? Okay, now let's you keep are going. up to speed on National Arbor Day. I, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I will. Cool. National Peace Rose Day. Um, is that a particular type of rose? Well, it is. 
It's a fruitful garden rose, light yellow to large cream-colored flowers of the peace rose have slightly flushed crimson pink petal edges. And uh, let's see. French horticulturist Francis Mayon developed the pre- a peace rose between 1935 and 1939 when he foresaw the German invasion of France to protect the new rose. He sent cutting to his friends in Italy, Turkey, Germany, and the U.S. It's believed these cuttings were sent to the U.S. on the last plane available before the German invasion. Well, the United States. I think this weekend I'm going to just go to one of our local um, gardening sort of places and see if I can find what they call a peace rose. Yeah, the United States named the rose peace and the national flower of the United States is the rose. Okay, now this next one, I don't get it. National Hairball <laughs> Awareness Day. <laughs> Hairball Awareness Day. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm laughing because it's funny to me, I guess. So when I think of the term hairball, I think of pets. And, and not hacking yourself? No, I've never had a hairball. That one. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. But was. <laughs> why do we need a national hairball oh, awareness? Oh my goodness. Day? Just fit it right in with that number two pencil eraser head day and national paperclip day. I don't know. Good question. Cat lovers have all been there. It says that onerous sound their cat makes when a hairball is on the rise. It draws attention to a problem many cat lovers face. Well, we have two more left. Could they be any better than that one? I I doubt it. (laughs) Well, this one doesn't even make sense. Well, I guess it does, but... Well, I'll just read it. National Poem in Your Pocket Day. Hmm. Okay, I carry notes around, but are they poems? No. But right now, I can reach in my pocket and I can pull out two business cards and some, um, a couple of little sheets of paper that have notes on them, right? Yes. But a poem in your pocket? Okay. One more thing, and this one I'm actually quite aware of and, and very appreciative of. So can you guess? Yes. It's food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> National Shrimp Scampi Day. I am a great, fond follower of seafood. Had a seafood quesadilla last night that was wonderful. Okay. What about on this date, historically speaking? So on this day in history, and again, the day we're talking about is April 29th. 1862, on April 29th, New Orleans falls to Union forces during the U.S. Civil War. 
Two years later, later, two years later, the Battle of Gate Paul, and then they have in parenthesis the word Kukahinahina. Anyway, 1,700 British troops suffered their worst defeat of the New Zealand Wars at the hands of 230 entrenched Maori warriors. That in Taranga. Taranga. So 1,700 British troops um, had a tough time with 230 fighting men. Right? 1916, Irish Republicans abandoned the post office in Dublin and surrender unconditionally, marking the end of the Easter Rising. Getting up to more modern times, in 1975, it would be the Vietnam War, the U.S. begins to evacuate its citizens from Saigon in Operation Frequent Wind. In response to advancing North Vietnamese forces, bringing an end to the U.S. involvement in the war. I remember being here in this seat, giving that story long ago. Well, I guess it was a different seat, but in this, in this room. Nineteen ninety, wrecking cranes began tearing down the Berlin Wall at the Brandenburg Gate. On this date. On this date in nineteen um, ninety one, a cyclone strikes the Chittagong district that's in Bangladesh. That storm killed one hundred and thirty nine thousand people leaving 10 million homeless. Wow. That's a storm. 1997, Chemical Weapons Convention of 1993 comes into force. Outlaws production, stockpiling, and the use of chemical weapons among its uh, signatories. Chemical weapons. They are kind of frightening, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, famous birthday times. Let me get my pages just right here. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> Where should we start? We'll do the um, the oldest first. Duke Ellington. The Duke. Yeah. We play some of his music uh, here on WATH. Yes. Classy guy. Edward Kennedy, Duke Ellington, who was an American composer, pianist, and leader of a jazz orchestra from 1923 through the rest of his life. Born in Washington, D.C., Ellington was based in New York City 
from the mid-1920s and gained a national profile through his orchestra's appearances at the Cotton Club in Harlem. Mm -hmm. But once in a while, he did do a tour, too. And I had the chance to take one of those in. Cool. I don't mean performing. I mean, I just attended it. Ah. Duke Ellington, born in 1899, died in 1974. Okay, Hirohito. Military buddy. Not buddy. That didn't make any sense. No, it didn't. Hirohito. Uh, born in 1901, died in 1989. He, uh, commonly known by his personal name, Hirohito, Emperor Showa, was the 124th Emperor of Japan, ruling from 1926 until his death in 1989. Hirohito and his wife had two sons and five daughters. He was succeeded by his fifth child and eldest son, Akihito. All right. Um, he was uh, one of the national leaders surrendering to General Douglas MacArthur after the end of World War II, the official signing right. ceremony. The, uh, the next two that we have to recognize are both alive. Uh, first of all, we'll mention Willie Nelson who is today celebrating his 89th birthday. And the other is that of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and um, today is his 60, let me see, 68th birthday. 68? Yeah. Wow. He looks younger than that. Yeah. Did you watch Seinfeld? Oh, my, yes. Of course. I, I don't know why, but I couldn't get into it when it was running the current series at the time. But now I watch the reruns frequently. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, it's what I missed years ago, but they're still funny. You know, Seinfeld's shows were about absolutely nothing. Yeah. That was the description of Jerry Seinfeld's own words about the comedy sitcom series Seinfeld. Is there about absolutely nothing? Yeah, and each of the characters, <laughs> um, you know, them as well. Um, just their actions, not their um, items in life. Yeah. It was just the way they acted. Yeah. Elaine, Kramer, George, yeah. Newman. Hello, Newman. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. <laughs> All right, let's see. We have two famous deaths to mention, I think. Let me double check here. Well, what's this one? Well, anyway, we'll get to it. Uh, the two famous deaths that are obvious to me, that of Abraham Gesner, G-E-S-N-E-R. Now, Mr. Gesner was born in 1797. He died in 1864. Now, why should we know him? He was a Canadian physician and geologist who invented kerosene. Mm. 
Gesner was born in Cornwallis, Nova Scotia, and lived much of his life in St. John, New Brunswick, and he passed in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And yet he was a, a medical type? A physician and geologist, yes. But known for kerosene. Yes. Used in yeah. many lamps yeah. during the time of his life. Well, I love kerosene lamps. We have kerosene lamps all over the house. Um, we have them around the, the decks, too. Like, um, well, anyway. Yeah. They just give such a warm glow, and they're just very friendly. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but doesn't kerosene burn hotter and longer? I think so. Than most fuels, such as gasoline? Well, gasoline is just, frankly, too... Flammable? Uh, yeah. You know... You put a wick and soak it in gasoline and then try to expose just a tiny portion of it. It'll blow up. It, it, that's very possible. So, you know, the flammability, flammability, the explosive nature doesn't exist with kerosene. It's a much safer product. Okay, Alfred Hitchcock. Born in 1899, died in 1980. And, of course, we know of what he was all about. Yes. Alfred Hitchcock. Lots of uh, freaky horror movies, for me anyway. And one I will never forget is The Birds. Mm -hmm. Watched that New Year's Eve uh, when I was a kid. And... My brother scared the living daylights out of me later on after that. <laughs> and it has been traumatizing me ever since. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it could. No, but it it was it was weird. Okay. That movie just ugh, creepy. Let's go to our phones. Okay. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Did Going I, once. Did I do something wrong here? Oh, uh, you pushed the 105 button probably. Oh, I did. Well, you can answer it and see, well, see what request they have. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Same as you did do with the other one. Yeah. I can't get rid of the light now. Oh, well. Maybe, maybe they're over on it there. Yeah, she's on the line with I her see. right now. She's on the phone. That's why you can't get the light out. I grabbed the wrong line. Yeah. They okay. might have had a request for uh, who knows who. Typically, music we don't offer too often over here. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to hear, can't touch this. <laughs> okay. That was, a th that was a song was blasting away in the Reds, Cincinnati Reds uh, clubhouse after they won the 1990 World Series. Let's turn our attention to the news. Hard news, if you will. Um, there's two different reports I bring in, and I fix some highlights out of each. Um, by the way, next week, uh, at this moment, we only have one guest scheduled. It's on Wednesday, and it is Krishmil. Uh, 
who is, of course, one of our Athens County Commissioners. Oh, good. Always good to see Commissioner Schmeel. Coming up, though. Very informative. Not next week, but not too long after that, we have Jeff Maiden, our county engineer. The mayor, of course, is in here almost once a month, Steve Patterson. And we got some others, too. So plenty coming up. Okay. Good. So back to the news. Um, there's a story this morning says the United States gross domestic product shrinks. The U.S. economy shrank at 1.4% annualized rate in the last three months of the year. This according to figures that were released yesterday. That downturn marked the weakest period since the onset of the pandemic two years ago and signaled a sharp reversal from the 6.9% annualized growth seen in the fourth quarter of last year. Well, analysts pointed to a number of factors contributing to the drop. Among them, January's Omicron COVID-19 wave high inflation, the war in the Ukraine, a decrease in fixed business investment, a widening trade deficit, and frankly, many more items. Now, a drop in defense spending, along with the ramp-down of pandemic-era stimulus, which was seen in 2021, also contributed to the slowdown. But despite the decline, many experts pointed to a 2.7% increase in consumer spending as a reason for optimism. The effects of expected interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve in the coming months, an attempt to combat inflation remain to be seen. So is that good news or is it bad news? It's both, and we remain to see what the real story is, and time will tell. President Biden requested roughly 300 I'm sorry th- roughly 33 billion dollars yesterday from Congress to aid Ukraine in its fight against Russia. The request would provide an estimated 5 months of military and economic support Incomes on the top of uh, $13.6 billion provided by the U.S. last month. The timeline for congressional consideration was not immediately clear. Um, how quickly they're being asked to respond. Time will tell, I guess. Quite literally. 
But in related news, Germany has reportedly dropped its opposition to ban to a ban on Russian oil imports coming into the European nation, the European Union, rather, paving the way for a full ban. I didn't read this paragraph very well. Let me start it over. In related news, Germany has reportedly dropped its opposition to a ban on Russian oil imports coming into the European Union paving the way for a full ban. Russia would still account for about 40% of the European Union's natural gas imports. Meanwhile, the Ukraine laid out its first specific accusations of war crimes committed by Russian troops, accusing 10 soldiers of the torture and murder of civilians in the town of Bukha. The claims came as Russia intensified shelling of the eastern Donbass region, with sources suggesting President Vladimir Putin wants to overtake the strategic region in time for the country's May 9th Victory Day celebrations, which historically marks the defeat of the Nazi Germany in Europe back in 1945. There's another story out there which uh, you can do a little research on if you feel so inclined. One of the kind of weird things the Ukrainians have done is they've flooded their towns. That's right. They've flooded their towns in order to thwart, that's always a hard word for me to get out, thwart early Russian advances. Interesting. Yeah, I think that happened in uh, World War II. Yeah. A couple places as well to stop the German advances or slow them down. We have an update on an entirely different topic, and it is COVID-19. But it is as it applies to children. Moderna formerly, formally requested emergency use authorization for its COVID-19 vaccine for children aged six months to six years. So extra young ones, right? Which would make it the first shot available for children under the age of five. Trial data showed the young patients showed a similar immune system response as young adults who received the two doses. That sounds like a good thing. Going on, the trials involved roughly 6,700 participants who received the two doses, each a quarter of a regular dose. Following that, data showed the vaccine reduced 
symptomatic cases by 43.7%, so nearly half. And, of course, these were in children aged 6 months to 2 years. And 37.5% in children between 2 and 6 years of age. Right now, it is unclear how many will be vaccinated in the age group. Only 28% of children 5 to 11 years are fully vaccinated. And going on with the next group, roughly 13 million cases of COVID-19 have been reported in those that are 18 and under. Final paragraph, in the U.S., the seven-day rolling average of newly reported cases is just above 52,000 cases per day. Meanwhile, residents in Beijing began taking mandatory COVID-19 tests as a rising number of cases have invoked fears of the Shanghai-like lockdown. Folks, for a number of months, probably a year and a half, I kept regular daily statistics. And when we didn't have a guess, I would share you that information as of that day. Um, you haven't heard me do that for a couple months. And that's because the U.S. has done such a good job of treating it. That while it's still an issue, it is far, far less an issue than it had when it all got going, right? So I could still try to do at least a weekly report, but some of the data sources I was using have simply ceased to uh, continue reporting because it has been so minimalized here in our nation. And for that matter, the world. But there's still some hot spots around the world. Well, anyway. I think... Um, let's see, if you've been watching the stock markets, they've been going up and down, up and down. Yesterday, they bounced back 2.5%. The Dow, 1.9%. The NASDAQ, 3.1%. When I said 2.5%, I meant the Standard & Poor's. Um, I think we can put this report away here. We've got about seven minutes remaining. Yeah, I, I'm done with this one. Okay, New York Times. Well, their lead story deals with children and COVID as well. 
just look into it just a little bit to see if they have any different opinions. David Lennart um, is generally the author of what they call the morning reports. And he says the federal government is telling us two different stories about COVID vaccines for young children. He then goes on with the title Truth and Trust. So why hasn't the FDA approved COVID-19 vaccine for children under five? Government officials have been given two conflicting answers in recent days. One that places responsibility on the vaccine manufacturers. Another that casts a lack of approval as a deliberate federal policy. It's the latest instance of what has been a recurring problem during the pandemic. You got public health officials have sent confusing messages about COVID policy. They have done so on masks, tests, adult vaccines, and basic COVID statistics. Sometimes the confusion has been intentional, they say. Officials haven't trusted Americans with the truth. Other times the confusion has been an accidental byproduct of a messy public health bureaucracy where no one person has the responsibility for delivering clear messages to the public. Well, Either way, the situation has bred frustration among many Americans, such as parents of young children who are desperate to vaccinate their children. These parents listen to the public statements of government officials and then the news coverage, but fail to find comprehensible answers. Rachel Pereira, the mother of an eight-year-old in Los Angeles, told the Times, I feel like the goals posts have been moving. So like if you have goal posts in a football field, they've been moving around the field, making it harder for the uh, kicker to kick through them, right? Um enough about football. Let's get back into this. Um, see, I lost my place. Oh, here we go. Dr. Jessica Snowden of Arkansas Children's Hospital said, I hear from lots of parents every day asking, do you know, do you know when it's going to be approved? Senator Patty Murray of Washington, describing parents in her state, said, They're frustrated. They're confused. I am, too, and they really do deserve some clarity on this topic. Well, the confusion has become more, rather, one more factor contributing to Americans' distrust of major institutions such as the government, the media, the medical system, 
you get the idea. People think they are not getting straight answers. And you know what? They're right about that. So we've got two stories. When the FDA officials have spoken publicly about the lack of a vaccine for young children, they have put the onus on the manufacturers, the meaning Moderna and Pfizer, the, the vaccine makers. The officials have suggested that the companies have not completed their portion of regulatory process. During a Senate hearing last week, Dr. Peter Marks, the FDA official who oversees vaccine approval, declined to give a direct answer about why the agency had not authorized the vaccine for young children. But he did say this, just remember that we can't actually finish our reviews until we actually have complete Oh, there was an announcement yesterday from Moderna, Pfizer 2. I'm running short on time, so I'm now trying to pick out uh, some points. This story is lengthy. But if you'd like to know more, I suggest you go to the New York Times on the website. And then they have different segments and go for the morning. It's simply called the morning. It's a report for April 29th today. Well, this is for Friday, folks. Um, we got um, plenty of um, sports action this weekend. I know my grandson Andy is... Uh, Got a doubleheader tomorrow out at Athens Field. Um, Good. And he's had some um, soreness, so this may be the first game I get to see him play. Oh, good. Because he's basically recovered now. Should be a good day. Nice day weather-wise. I'm hoping for it. And that's it. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. A report out this morning finds inflation has jumped 6.6%. That's the highest 12-month jump in four decades. Despite the higher prices, economist Gus Fauché says consumers are still out there spending. Consumers are spending money on services, so they feel more comfortable going out to eat at restaurants, going traveling, going to the movies, things like that. Obviously also spending more on gasoline with higher prices, spending more on food with higher prices. There are also signs that inflation might be slowing, maybe even nearing its peak for now. Ukraine's president is accusing Russia of trying to humiliate the United Nations by launching missile strikes on Kyiv. 
during a visit by the U.N. Secretary General. It was the first attack on the Ukrainian capital in weeks, and it came just after a press conference with President Zelensky and U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. The strikes came as residents had been returning to the city and businesses reopening. Russia confirmed it carried out the strikes. CBS's Cami McCormick. More than 3,000 refugees, migrants, and asylum seekers died or went missing last year while trying to reach Europe via Mediterranean and Atlantic sea routes. Shabia Mantu is with the UN Refugee Agency. Most of the sea crossings took place in packed, unseaworthy inflatable boats, many of which capsized or were deflated, leading to the loss of life. Last year's deaths were nearly twice as high as the previous years. The CDC has confirmed the first positive test of H5N1 avian flu in a human. CBS News medical contributor, Dr. David Agus. Zoonotic infections, that is infections that go from animals to humans are rare, but they do happen. And it is something that we're very attuned to in today's world, especially since the COVID-19 pandemic and a global surveillance system is in place to look for such infections. This case involves a man who had direct contact with poultry in Colorado. The latest federal government maps show nearly all of the West is in drought and 95% of California is suffering severe drought. CBS has been Tracy. Lake Mead, the largest reservoir in the nation, is so low they just turned on a new pump to ensure Las Vegas can still get water. JT Reger is a NASA scientist. He says the West is in a 22-year mega drought. It's drier, we have less water in reservoirs, then we have fires. WWJ's Jeff Gilbert. Ford, meanwhile, is recalling some SUVs that might simply roll away.